How many of you love him today? Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to uh, 2 Kings, the 7th chapter. While you're going there, I want to thank everyone for all the happy anniversary wishes yesterday. That was very special. My wife and I celebrated four years. I mean, 40, 40, 40 years. It just seemed like it's been four. 40 years of marriage, and uh, I'm thankful that... <clears throat> I'm thankful she still loves me. Amen. I love her too. Love you. What was I talking about? Oh, no. Okay. okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, if you go 2 Kings chapter 7, I am going to ask you if you would remember me in prayer. I'm leaving right after service to head for Louisiana. I'm taking the uh, supplies that we've been collecting uh, down in looking forward to what God is going to do. This is just the first stage of what we plan to do. We still plan a Christmas party in December for them, and I should have hopefully some more information about that when I come back. All right, 2 Kings chapter 7, starting with verse 1. Elisha replied, listen to this message from the Lord. This is what the Lord says, by this time tomorrow in the markets of Samaria... Six quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver, and 12 quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. The officer assisting the king said to the man of God, that couldn't happen, even if the Lord opened the windows of heaven. But Elisha replied, you will see it happen with your own eyes, but you won't be able to eat any of it. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for your word, God, that it's life. I ask you, God, to just open our hearts and our minds, God, and let us understand what it is you're speaking and what you're doing in this hour. We give you all the praise and the glory for that in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to speak to you for just a little while this morning on a, and I'll I'll share with you how this message came to me a little later into the message, but on this topic, I'm not done yet. Would you say that with me? I'm not done yet. I wonder how many of you have ever been at a restaurant and somebody came and got your plate before you got the last bite out of it. And it was like, oh, ho, 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 I'm not done yet. No, you know, you don't take that from me yet. And, you know, or you're, you're getting ready to go someplace and you're trying to hurry your lovely wife along. And, and she's telling you, I'm not done yet. And the best thing you can do is just go do something until I'm done. Like read the Encyclopedia Britannica. <laughs> I thought about how that, you know, sometimes we don't understand the finished product. We just, you know, we're, we're looking at it. How many of you, rem- I don't know what you, life was like for you when, I was, when you were a kid, but I remember being a kid and seeing mom get her hair done sometimes and man that was it was like sometimes it just kind of really messed with me because I I couldn't understand what was happening let me see if I can give you an idea what I'm talking about you know what I mean it's just like uh, you walk in on something like that and you're trying to figure out what is that 
What, you know, what's the purpose of all that? And, you know, and they just look at, well, I'm not done yet. I'm not, I'm not done yet. And then, you know, there's, there, there's sometimes you look at that and you're thinking, man, there's a bunch of little mini hot dogs wrapped up in her hair. What's going on? You know, what's all that aluminum foil about going on? And then you get people that look like they came from Mars. And it's like, what is that? And, and the, see, all of this gets confusing to us. And it's because we're looking at it in the middle of something and we don't know the end product yet but if you were able to see the end product to see all the stuff on her head up on top doesn't bother me as much now because I see what the end result is and fifth of that other one and sometimes when you feel like you're living your life in a trash bag and you, you know and then you realize that's not trash in there there's there's a purpose for all that so somebody say there's a purpose so having said that, I want to share with you from the story that I just read to you, but I need to bring you up to this. So I'm going to relate to you what happened before this passage of Scripture that I read. There is a king in Syria, and he is trying to destroy Israel. He's out to defeat them. He has planned several ambushes. Problem is, None of his ambushes are working because there's a prophet in Samaria named Elisha. And Elisha keeps telling the king of Israel what the king of Syria is plotting. Finally, the king of Syria gets upset and he says, I want to know. He, he calls a meeting with all of his head guys and he said, I want to know what's going on. Which one of you is against me? Who keeps telling the king of Israel my plans? And the men spoke up and said, king, it's not us. There's a prophet in Samaria that tells the king of Israel what you whisper in your bedchamber. How many of you are glad to know that God knows what you're going through? Matter of fact, let me, let me cue, cue you in here a little bit. God knows what you're going through better than you know what you're going through. But we don't always think that. Matter of fact, I wonder if any of you have ever made the statement, God, do you see what I'm going through? Not only does he see it, but he's got it all figured out ahead of time. And so the king of Syria gets upset about this, and he said, well, go find out where this Elijah's at, because I'm going to send my army in and take him out. And so they find out that Elisha's in Dothan city called Dothan, and they send an army in there at night and surround that entire city. I want you to try and fathom what, you, what would go through your mind if you went to bed tonight and then the morning when you woke up, you found out that the National Guard had surrounded your house. They had tanks in your front yard. There's a helicopter hovering over, and somebody has a bazooka pointed at your front door. Would you tend to get a little nervous? And so what happens is the next morning, Elijah's servant Gehazi wakes up, and he goes outside, and he looks outside his, his window or the door, and he sees the entire Syrian army camped around that city and he starts to panic he runs in and tells Elisha what are we going to do man look they, they've got us surrounded and Elisha looks at him any of you ever you know it's amazing to me how this new language we get 
And about the time I learn what the new language is, it changes, and then it's something else. You know what I'm talking about? And so you remember when it was, hey, just chill. Just take a chill pill. And so Elisha looks at Gehazi, and that's kind of his attitude. Just chill out, man. Just, and he, he looks at him, and he says, look, he said, those that be with us are more than those that be with them. Gehazi is thinking, look, the last time I counted, there's only two of us. And they say, have you looked outside this window? And then he realizes that his servant can't see what he sees. And he prays, God, open his eyes. And God opens Gehazi's eyes. Now, I want you to follow what I'm going to say here because this is important. When Gehazi goes back and he looks out the door again, absolutely nothing has changed. I want you to get that. Nothing has changed except his perspective. What Gehazi sees had been there all along. It's just he couldn't perceive it. How many of you have ever found yourself in a situation and you're thinking, God, where are you at in all this? And then all of a sudden God does something to open your eyes and you realize he's been there all along. He hadn't failed you. He hadn't forgot you. He hadn't run off. He's right where he's been. It's just that now I can see it. We played hide and seek one time at our house a few years ago. And uh, well, several years ago, it's, our, our kids were little then. And Debbie hid. And for a while, I thought rapture had taken place. But I thought, no, I'm still here. That couldn't happen. <laughs> and, and, and we're looking around, and we're trying to find her. And I'm thinking, what is going on, man? Where is she at? We have looked all over the place. And she had climbed up on top of a cabinet and was laying up uh, on this cabinet and we'd been walking around her over and over and over and never saw where she was. Can I tell you that God is still on the scene? He hadn't left. You just hadn't been able to figure yet. He's there, friend. He's right in plain sight. It's just you can't see him. Everybody go take a good look. <laughs> See, sometimes we miss what's right in front of us. So once his perception has changed and he goes out and he looks, he gets a little excited. The army of Syria starts to move in, but he realizes I'm not alone. <laughs> you know, when you pick up that you're not alone, you'll act different. You remember, how many of you know the guy named Jesse Duplantis? You know who I'm talking about? Jesse Duplantis told a story about when he was five years old and he and his brother had turned an outhouse upside down on some kid in the neighborhood and that was always picking on him. So he just, they caught him in there and flipped it over. And they, he ran and told his father. And his father came over and came after Jesse and his brother. And that boy's father had been drinking. Man, he's drunk. He's got a, 
uh, a wrench in his hand, and he's going after these kids, and Jesse's brother took off running. He said, run, Jesse. And Jesse said, man, I was five years old. He said, scared me to death. He said, I just froze. I just stand there like that. He said, there's a guy, and he's walking up, and he's got that, that wrench pulled back, and he's getting ready to come down. He said, all of a sudden, Jesse said, all of a sudden, he said, I heard something in behind me go click, click. And he said, I looked behind me, and my mama had a rifle pointed at that guy's head. And he said, she said, you touch my son, and I'll drop you where you stand. He said, his daddy came running out of the house yelling, drop it, mister. She's crazy. She ain't kidding, man. She will kill you right where you're at. Do not tempt this woman. And so that guy dropped that wrench. And that little five-year-old boy's perspective changed. He found great confidence, and he started dancing around saying, you want some of me? Little five-year-old boy, that's his story. But what are you getting at? I'm getting at when you understand that God is with you, uh, you'll quit running and hiding uh, and begin to stand up and say, greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world perspective so he sees him coming and all of a sudden Elisha prays God smite them with blindness not in the not blindness like you can't see at all but blindness like you can't perceive what's in front of you I watched God do that for us on mission trips I went through Mexico at different times, and man, look, you get caught at the, in customs at the border with trailers. We would pull trailers in all the time. And I, I, had, I had them open a trailer up one time and look right at supplies I was taking in to build an orphanage. And, it was, and, and they closed the trailer. Dora, they never did that, man. I'm telling you, anytime that happened, I was tied up on the border for hours. I was paying people to let me through. And then all of a sudden, they just closed the doors. And I thought, what just happened? Did they not see what was in that trailer? They come into Dothan, and they can't see who Elisha is. And Elisha tells them, you're in the wrong town, but if you'll follow me, I'll take you where you want to go. So he takes them into the capital city of Israel, Samaria. He leads them right into the king's place all the israeli army surrounds them and he prays open their eyes and they see that they are outnumbered and that israel's king is jumping up and down going can i kill him can i kill him oh don't look at me like that don't act like you ain't never asked god god could i just hit him once just just one time, Lord. I know, I know vengeance is yours, but I'm just wanting to help out. And Elisha looked at him and said, no, you're not going to kill them. You're going to feed them and let them go. Why? Because Elisha wanted them to understand that the God of Israel is real, that he's a powerful God. And it's not his will that any should perish. And so they feed them, they send them back, and everybody say, time passes on. So several years later, the king of Syria shows back up in Samaria. 
He's got his entire army with him, and he surrounds the city, and he puts it under siege. I don't know if you know the history of Russia. When I was making mission trips to Russia, I read about the 900-day siege during World War II of St. Petersburg and how people were starving to death, nothing to eat. He surrounded that city and refused to allow anybody in or anyone out. And it got so bad, the food supply got so low that they're paying 80 pieces of silver for a donkey's head and five pieces of silver for a cup of dove's dung. Now, dung is just what it says, dung. I've watched commentators try and clean that up and say, oh, it was, no, no, that's not, that's not the translation. They're guessing at that. No place else in Scripture when somebody says dung or people trying to scratch, scratch their head and figure out what it is. Dove's dung. Sometimes we end up eating something that we thought we never would. You ever been there? Oh, maybe not physically, but you end up believing something or doing something that you thought you never would. They're devastated. The king's walking through the city, and a woman cries to him from the wall, and she looked down and she said, Help us, help me, O king. He looked at her in mad desperation. He looked back up and he said, If God doesn't help you, how am I going to? And he said, What's wrong? She looked at him and she said, this woman yesterday agreed with me that we would eat my son and then today we would eat her son. She said, yesterday I cooked my son and we ate him. But today she has hid her son from me. She, he, she is asking the king to make this woman give up her son so they can eat him. He rips his clothing, and in desperation, he cried out. And can I put it in plain English? He said, let God do this. The, the, if, if, if I don't take Elijah's head off of his shoulders today, let God do it to me. And he sends a man to go murder the prophet. Why? Because he is so upset at what he's going through. He's thinking back to when Elisha brought the enemy right in his hand. But he's forgetting that it wasn't his power that did that to the enemy it was a power of a living God and he's thinking why couldn't I kill them why couldn't I have destroyed them then and I wouldn't be here now let me tell you we get in trouble when we're trying to figure out what God's up to we need to just learn how to trust him he sends to Elijah's house and Elijah said, he, God's told Elijah what's going on. And he, he says, there's a man that's been sent by the king to murder me. Hold the door and don't let him in because the king's right behind him. And then the king shows up. And when the king shows up, he looks at Elijah and he says, why should I wait? He said, this, this mess is from God. Why should I wait for the Lord any longer? And I'm going to tell you why he should wait for the Lord a little longer. Because God is not done yet. 
turn around and look at your neighbor and say, God is not done yet. You may feel like it's over. You may feel like everything's gone too far. You may feel like giving up hope and thinking, why even try anymore? But that prophet looked at at that king and said, King, I want you to understand that today... They're selling donkey's heads for 80 pieces of silver. But by this time tomorrow, you'll be able to get six quarts of flour or 12 quarts of barley and pay one silver coin because God is not done yet. The king's assistant standing there looked at Elisha and said, even if God opened the windows of heaven, this could never happen. And that man looked at him and he said, oh, you're going to see it, but you're not going to experience it. You're never going to taste it. And I thought about that. I thought about where the, what's going on. And let me tell you how this message came about to me. See, here's the deal. is we all face something, don't we? We all go, it may be your children may be running around so far away from God and they don't even act like they're interested in God. But I'm telling you, don't give up hope because God's not done yet. Your spouse may be giving you fits and say, I don't want to be down at that church. I don't want to go there. I'm not going to serve God. Don't give up. He's not done yet. You may feel like, well, man, I've, got, I've messed my life up so much. I've got so much stuff. I've got so much luggage, so much baggage and 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 why even try because God is not done yet let me tell you how I got this message I was praying the other day here in my office and I was praying that that everything has shifted over this vaccine and now they're taking people's jobs away from them if they refuse the vaccine and I'm down praying saying God what's going on I'm trying to figure out how I can help God what is going on I don't get it and all of a sudden when I got up I heard a voice speak to me you tell them I'm not done yet. You tell them I'm not done yet. I want you to understand that the God we serve is bigger than the giant you face. The God we serve is bigger than your circumstance. It's bigger than your situation. And there's nothing that God can't do. But we only see part of it. I started thinking about this, and it came to me. Why? Where our mistake is, let me say my mistake. It's because when I looked at this story, something came to me. That Israel was focused on two things. They were focused on their problem, and the people causing their problem. And they forgot all about God. You see, sometimes we look in the mirror and we're focused on us and them, and we forget all about him. And he's saying, I'm not done yet. And thank God for four lepers that had been kicked out of town They're not allowed in town. They're kicked out of town, and they're sitting where they are, and they're dying. And they finally looked at one another, and they said, why should we sit here and die? He said, if we go into the city, they're starving to death, man. We go in there, you've got to have 80 pieces of silver to get a donkey's head. And honestly, I don't know that I could eat a donkey's head. They said, so 
we're going to die here or we're going to go die if we go in there. So here's a thought. Why don't we quit being afraid and just march down to the enemy's camp and find out what God's doing down there? Let's just, let's just go ahead and get up and quit acting like we're beat down and whipped and defeated and stand up and trust God and walk on down there. And you know what happened? They found out that guess what? God had already got there before they did. When they started walking toward the Syrians camp, they saw clothing scattered all over the place. They saw the place was empty. God had caused the Syrians to hear a noise. Somebody shout. <laughs> well, what are you getting so excited about? Oh, I was just thinking about David. When David said, should I go forward? And God said, just hang on a minute. And you wait until you hear a rustling in the mulberry trees. Well, what are you getting excited about, Pastor? Because I started to hear a rustle in the mulberry trees. There's, there's something that God has spoken to my spirit when he said, I'm not done yet. And I recognized I don't need to be focused on the problem. And I don't need to be focused on the ones causing the problem. I need to focus on the one that can fix it. And his name is Jesus. You're never going to save yourself if you're drowning you better hope somebody comes by with a device that can keep you afloat how many of you know what that's like you know what i'm talking about have you ever sucked water before you know what i'm talking about i was i was swimming i don't even know if you guys know where this is but it's in southern illinois have you ever heard of lake glendale I was at Lake Glendale swimming when I was a kid. We came down here to visit my grandparents. My dad, you, you, I talked to you about my dad teaching me how to swim. Part of it was because he hated the fact that I sw I, the only time I swam was underwater. So he could never see me. He wanted me to get up on top of the water. Everybody say, get up. Why stay under when you can float on top? I had been swimming underwater at Lake Glendale. Here's the problem with swimming underwater. You can only stay there so long. And I had stayed as long as I could stay. And I was getting ready to break the top of the water, and I had two older brothers. Aren't, say thank God for older brothers. Don't you just love them? I was getting ready to break the top of the water, and just as I started breaking the top of the water, one of my older brothers shoved my head back under the water, and I sucked up half of Lake Glendale. Felt like it. Man, I got that mouthful. I, I'm, I'm fighting to get away from him because he didn't just push me. He held me. And I'm fighting to get away from him. And I thought, man, I'm going to die. Under. And I finally got back up on top. And I started coughing and spitting and got all that out of me. And then I determined I'm not going under anymore. Oh, you did. Uh, when you get tired of sucking water, when you get tired of feeling whipped and defeated all the time, you're going to make up your mind to get your focus on the one that can keep you on top. Uh, you're going to make up your mind, I'm not giving up and I'm not giving in. Somebody say, he's not done yet. I thought about how sometimes... We're ready to throw in the towel. 
ready to give it all up. I, when I was a young man, I, my uncle and my brother jumped on me. I had an unusual family. <laughs> We're outside, and, they, they, and my brother's six years older than I was, and my uncle was a lot older than I was, and they both jumped on me. I was, I was like 18 at the time, maybe 17 at the time, and they jumped on me, and they had me down, and they were, oh, we got you, we got you. I wasn't done yet. I, I'm, not, I'm not done yet. I'm not staying down here. And, and I, I started pushing myself up, and I st- my brother had locked his legs around my neck, and I stood up with my brother hanging from my neck, and he's swinging like this from the ground, and my uncle's wrapped up all around me, and they're hanging on to me, and I thought, you're not keeping me down. Hear what I'm saying. The scripture said we've been made more than a conqueror through him that loved us. This isn't a time to let the devil take you down. This is a time to say, here I am, God. I may not understand what's going on. I may not understand why it's going on, but there's one thing I do know, that God is all, knows all about it. He's already got it figured out. He's alpha, omega, and everything in between. How many of you are ready for God to use you? How many of you are tired of being pushed under? How many of you want to get to the top and stay there? Here's the secret. Quit looking at me. (laughs) And quit looking at yourself. And quit looking at giant and start looking at God. I had to learn a lesson from a little shepherd boy. I'll go fight the giant. He said, you're not able. There'll always be someone in the crowd to tell you you can't. But what about when God says you can't? What about when the scripture says, I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me? We act like that. Sometimes that scripture gets taken out of context, and we act like that's, I'm Superman. Paul is talking about, he said, look, I know what it's like to go through some stuff. I know what it's like to do without. And he said, and I'm telling you, I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. What's Paul saying? Paul's saying, I know in whom I've trusted and whom I believed, and I'm persuaded he's able to keep that, that I commit to him until that day. Everybody say he can do it. Come here a minute. Travel with me. Christmas. I don't remember the year. Long time ago. Everybody say long time ago. This year our Christmas program is called an old-fashioned Christmas. So go back with me. Long time ago. It had, I, I love snow at Christmas. It had not snowed. It had rained. It had rained, man. And where we lived at, the road was flooded. You remember this? Oh, it's coming back now. The road is flooded. I kid you not, I pr- it, it is pouring down rain. And I prayed that night and I said, God, please don't let this rain get in our house. Because it was coming up. It was this high in the, in the road. When I got up the next morning, the water was all around my property's edge. But none of it was on my property. 
Somebody say, he ain't done yet. <laughs> say, but you got you to get to Christmas dinner. And, and, and Christmas dinner was at her mom's house. And we can't, we can't do the, 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 the car. Water's up to here. And so I decided we'd walk. Everybody say, we're going to walk. And we walked as far as we could walk. And then the water came. And when the water came, I said, I don't know. You can You can turn me that way. When the, <laughs> I'll, I'll hold it. <laughs> you can do it. I'll just, just hold it. How many times have I had to tell you to dress right? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That ain't true. When, when, the, when the water came, I had to, here, wait a minute. Let me borrow somebody. Can, can I borrow you? So when, when, the, when, when, huh? Oh, don't break it. When the water came, everybody's got a problem today. <laughs> when, when, the, when the water came, I told her, I said, hold on. And I grabbed her up and I carried her all the way through that water to her mom's house because I made up my mind. I'm not done yet. This isn't, this isn't going to take us out. This isn't going to keep me from celebrating. This isn't going to rob me of my joy. Somebody hear what I'm saying. In the book of Habakkuk, the prophet is talking and he says, hey, he said, Lord, I can't believe you're letting Israel get away with all this sinning. He said, oh, I'm not. I'm bringing the Babylonians in to punish them. And, his, and the prophet changes. And he says, you're going to do what? God, you can't tell me you're bringing somebody in here to punish us that's more wicked than we are. That ain't right. God, you can't do that. And God said, oh, it's okay, Habakkuk, because I'm going to take care of them too. I'm going to punish them after it's over with. And finally, Habakkuk realized, I got my focus on the wrong place. I've been looking at everybody instead of looking at God. And so he makes this statement. He said, you know what? Even if there's no calves in the stall and if all the fields dry up, listen to what he says in Habakkuk 3 and 18. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in the God of my salvation. Sometimes you got to make up your mind. Devil, you ain't getting my joy. You're not taking it from me. I may not understand what I'm going through, but I know I am not going through it alone. Would you stand with me today? Don't let him have your joy. Why, so, why is joy so important? You'd think by going to some churches, you'd think joy didn't matter at all. Praise the Lord. The Bible says in Nehemiah, Nehemiah tells him, he said, look, all the people started weeping and crying when they read the law because they realized how far they were from keeping it. Did you ever wake up one day and think, man, God, I've really messed up? Anybody? I guess I'm the only one that wakes up like that, huh? Ever wake up and feel like, God, I'm so far from... And so the law is read and they realize how far they are from keeping it and everyone started weeping. And Nehemiah stops them 
He said, this isn't a time to weep. They had just rebuilt the walls. They were on their way back. God had been so good to them. But sometimes we're focused on the wrong thing for so long that we lose sight of where we are and who he is. And so Nehemiah told him, he said, quit, quit weeping. This isn't a day to weep. He said, I want you to go your way, and I want you to eat the fat and drink the sweet. Everybody say, eat the fat. Somebody talk to me about fat for a minute. If you're a cook in here, what does fat do for food? It flavors it. Don't invite me to your house and lay down a piece of beef jerky in front of me with mashed potatoes and gravy. Because all the, all, all, and I, look, I like beef jerky, but if you promised me steak, and he said, don't, don't let this take your joy away. He's saying, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and take it. And what did he say? He said, and share it with those for whom nothing has been prepared. Everybody say those four lepers. I, I talked about the four lepers in the service, didn't I? Those four lepers that had been thrown out. That said, everybody said, we don't want you around. <laughs> They're the ones that showed back up and said, hey, y'all. Is that, they looked over the wall, saw them out there. Is that gravy on your mouth? <laughs> these folks starving to death, and these people out there eating mashed potatoes. One of them got a turkey leg. And they said, and what did the, what did the lepers say? They went in and they saw what God had done. They partook of what God had done, but then all of a sudden they said, wait a minute, we're not doing right. This is a good day, and we're not sharing the news. He said, if we don't share this, something bad's gonna happen. We need to share it. Turn around, look at your neighbor and say, I gotta share it. How many of you in here has God been good to? <laughs> well then, share it. Somebody said, I got to share it. Pastor, they told me they didn't want to hear it. I don't care. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to share it anyway. I, I'm going to, you know, that's like, that's like, you know, you win. You, well, maybe I ought to use a different. I started to say, that's like you win a million dollars playing the lottery. <laughs> Pay your tithes, folks. Pay your tithes. That's like, that, that's like all of a sudden you get a, a brand new car given to you and, and you, you don't tell anybody because you're afraid that they'll be upset. <laughs> when I had that van that's out here, that, that white van we ride around, that van was given to me, new is a 30-something thousand dollar van. I'd been driving vehicles that you had to pour a quart of oil in every hundred miles. I knew what it was to pray when I left on a mission trip, God, please let this vehicle make it back. I'd been, I, I had been off on the side of the road with transmissions out because I never had a vehicle that... <laughs> 
could make the trip without a problem. <laughs> Friend, let me tell you, when I got that, my first trip down the road, I cried, man. I was sitting in that seat and I said, God, thank you so much. I, I, I remembered what it was like. I was just praising God. And I wanted everybody to know, look what God did. Look what God did. It's not something to hide. The scripture says that the joy of the Lord is your strength. Pastor, I'm just so depressed. Maybe it's time to check your level of joy. The joy of what? The joy of my circumstance is my strength. The joy of my situation, the joy of my bank account, the joy of my pocketbook, the joy of my medical chart. No, the joy of the Lord. And can I tell you that God has never had a bad day. God knows the end from the beginning and he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. So those moments you go through that you're not sure of, those times that you experience where you're a little uneasy and you're not sure of the outcome, I'm telling you, don't let the devil rob you. Don't let him get your focus off what it needs to be. Man, I'm, God spoke to me so plainly, and I understood. I've got to quit looking at us, and i got to quit looking at them, and I need to get us all focused on him. How many of you are ready to get focused on him today? So this is, what I, this is what I want you to do. You're in this place today, and you've got, I'm going to need some ushers to help me. You're in this place today, and you've got a need. I want you to come. I don't care what the need is. I'm telling you that God is more than enough. Everybody say it with me, more than enough. When I say I don't care what it is, I'm not talking about in the sense that I'm not compassionate about what you're going through. I'm saying that you're never alone, that God has got you covered. He's going to take care of it one way or another. Everybody say, he'll take care of it. I, I was on my way, as, as you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now, you believe God can take care of it? Church, you believe God can take care of it? And I wanna hear a shout of yes. Now mix a little bit of joy in that yes. Are you ready? Yeah, that's it. That's it. Go ahead, do yours. Yes, because those lepers said, you know what, man, I'm going to die if I sit around here. I'm just going to, tell, I'm just going to trust God. I'm just going to go ahead and walk on down to the enemy's camp, find out what's going on down there. By the time he got to the enemy's camp, he found out God had already taken care of it. Stretch your hands to heaven. I give you praise for it. Come here, just say, stand. Just stretch your hands to heaven with me. I want you to look at me just a second as you raise your hands. I want you to stop me if I'm wrong here. You've been under a lot of stress. Is that true? There is, it, it's, I, I, I see like this cloud that's hung over you. And God 
is saying, I want to break that off of him. I'm going to remove it. And you keep, you, you've tried to figure out how to get this lifted and you hadn't been able to. God is going to supernaturally do something for you. Church, are you... Stretch your hand. Come on, give my hand clap of praise in this house today. I give you praise. I give you praise. I give sometimes the unexpected happens. I was on my way back from a revival. Man, my the motorhome we were in just quit pulling, dead in the water. Got a car hooked to it. Out in the middle of nowhere. You're an evangelist, you ain't got a lot of money. And I turned around and I looked at Debbie and I started singing a song. She always loved my singing. I looked at her and I started singing, he'll do it again. Just take a look at where you are now and where you have been. Hasn't he always come through for you? He's the same now as then. You may not know how, you may not know when, but he'll do it again. Would you stretch your hands? lines. Praising the Lord keeps the devil confused and worship drives him out of his mind. What's the next He line? knows he's beat, so he he's in retreat. <laughs> he knows he's beat, so he's in retreat. Praise him for the victory. Some of the greatest moments in my life, some of the greatest breakthroughs came when it seemed the darkest. And then all of a sudden, God did something out of nowhere that I wasn't expecting, and I knew it had to be God. Sometimes with all of our thinking and all of our ingenuity, we can't do it. And we have to find that place of surrender. God, I'm trusting you. Mm. Send a sound, God. Send a sound. Church, I want you to raise your hands to heaven with me right now. We're asking you to do, God, what we can't do. And we understand that there is no limit to you.
love him, we come on, stretch your hands to heaven and love him. You remember years ago they came out with this, uh, I don't know what they were called, but you would go into a store and there would be this image that looked like it was just all abstract and there was absolutely nothing there. And, and, and people would say, oh, can you see it? Can you see what's in that painting or picture? And they would tell me that if a dolphins are swimming. And I'm looking at them, man, are you nuts? I'm, I, I can't see anything. And I was getting frustrated. And I thought they were all messing with me. And they said, no, you have to look beyond the picture. And I thought, what do you mean look beyond the picture? I didn't understand that. They said, you have to look beyond it. They said, you're looking at it. Look beyond it. And I stood there for a moment, and I was in the store, and I thought, look beyond it, look beyond it, look beyond And so it was so difficult because I had to get my focus off of what was right in front of me, and all of a sudden it happened. I, I, I got my focus off of what was in front of me, and all of a sudden the picture opened up, and it started going deep, and I could see them. That's what God saying to us uh, get your focus off of what's right in front of you uh, and look deeper look focus shifts to the giant killer the giant slayer Goliath was bigger than David but Goliath was minuscule in the eyes of God as you stretch your hands to heaven with me right now church all the way across this building God we bring our giant to you set him at your feet and declare by faith that you're bigger than the giant I trust you God that you're changing everything I give you praise for it right now. Right now. Right now. God. Thank you, Jesus. I praise you. Lift up your voice and sing for joy. Clap your hands, make a joyful noise. Blow your trumpets and shout. Praise it for the victory. The weapons we use are not bombs and guns. Worship is the way. of trying to figure out how God is going to do it. And that's not what we've been called to do. 
we've just been called to trust that God is going to do it. Father, we trust you today. We believe you for it, Father. We trust you in Jesus' name. I want you to hear this. I want you to remember this. The, the servant of the king, the assistant, made the statement when Elisha told him that in a moment God is going to change everything. He said, if God opened the windows of heaven, this couldn't happen. He didn't believe. And because he didn't believe, he wouldn't receive it. Hebrews 11 and 6 says, but without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a what? A rewarder of those that diligently seek him. That when I come up here, I'm not just coming up because I'm in trouble or I've got a problem I'm coming up because I believe that if I seek God with all my heart he's going to take care of this situation he he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him hallelujah 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 Say it with me. Believe. believe. Come on, say it again. Believe. believe. Christmas time, they have this, the, these signs that come up all over the place. Believe. And they tried to tie it to a Santa Claus thing. And I thought, buddy, I got you, I got you scooped on this one. Believe came long before that guy with a white whiskers. Believe isn't wrapped up in a bunch of reindeer. Believe is wrapped up in a God that in the beginning created the heavens and the earth that said let there be light and there was light that's able to change everything in an instant. I'm going to leave you with this. I want you to get a hold of this. He can steal a storm, tame a tornado, and silence a tsunami in a moment. In a moment. Did he do it for you, Carl? He's supposed to be dead. I'm just telling you what they, they told him. He's not supposed to be here. But he's here. Why? Because yes. God said, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. Yes. There's some of you that aren't supposed to be here. Gerald, you were shot. Everybody give it up on you. Life was so messed up, you even thought it was all screwed up. And in spite of what you thought and what everybody else thought, God said, I'm not done yet. I'm not done yet. So the next time the devil starts trying to whisper in your ear and tell you you're whipped, you're defeated, that he's got you, just smile at him real big and say, God's not done yet. And because God's not done yet, I'm not done yet either. Come on and give him a shout of praise in this house. Hallelujah.
Hallelujah. I want you to stand. Now, now here, look, here's the deal. You don't get to keep this to yourself. You have to share it. You need to take your turkey leg in your hand and go declare. I mean, folks thought I was flipped out. I didn't care. I thought for the first time in my life, I found something real. And I wasn't letting go. I was not letting go. God has been good to me. He's let me see his hand at work in so many ways. But he's not done yet. And I've asked him to let me see his hand at work one more time in the lives of you here. Let me see, God, you do the miraculous. Work a miracle. So I want you to say this with me right before we dismiss. I know. No, that was my part. I'll get to yours in just a second. That's good, though. You're right there with me. I know that donkey's heads are selling for big bucks today. But he's not done yet. Within 24 hours. That's what he did. He, he had a, he, it was within 24 hours. Turn around, look at your neighbor, and say, I've been, I, I've been wanting to do this. Look at your neighbor and go, get ready, get ready, get ready. Because <laughs> a miracle's coming. A miracle's coming. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Your miracle's coming. Get ready. He's not done yet. Come on and give him a shout of praise in this house. Let me pray for you right now. Father, I pray your blessing over this congregation, that you bless them going out and coming in. God, that you, Father, do the impossible for them. God, when we're looking for something to happen a certain way, amaze us, God, when you cause it to happen a way we didn't even think about. God, we thank you that you're in control. We look to you and we believe you. We trust you. Now help us to share the news in Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you.